0: You're listening to Life in Our Skin, a podcast created for women in the middle. Here, we discuss unique perspectives of our American experience, living between the white and black communities. I'm Lisa
1: Harris. And I'm Anahita Champion. Join us as we share life in our skin, raw and unedited.
0: Everybody, we are just super thrilled to be back with another Life in Our Skin episode. So, we are joined today with an amazing, amazing guest, which we'll give you a little tidbit here in a minute. But for those of you joining us for the very first time, this is Life in Our Skin, and we're here to really explore, understand, and learn about the women in our community here in the Twin Cities and beyond. The women who identify themselves is, as being in the middle. So the women who are in between our white community and our black community and to learn about their experiences, their lived experiences. And today I'm joined as always with my dearest, dearest co-host, <laughs> Miss Anihita Champion.
1: Hi Lisa, how are you? I've missed I, you.
0: i We haven't chatted in a while. Well, we
1: haven't chatted in a while. And for those that don't know, I haven't chatted with her much since the last episode. No, I'm just teasing. Oh, I'm so thrilled that we're back because as you and I have built this podcast and this platform of life in our skin, Lisa, we've talked about, you know, the identity umbrella, right? So we've talked about how, how identity has impacted us and how our families have impacted our identity, our careers, our education, culture society, media, fellow sisters, and all sorts of things in the community. And so those that have been listening have followed our journey, how we've talked a little bit about a career, a little bit about family adoption stories, a little bit about this, a little bit about that. So today we're gonna talk to Amalia Moreno Damgard. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited she's here about a little bit more about her immigration story. She's from Guatemala, she is a business leader, she's a multi-award winning author, speaker, consultant, a chef entrepreneur. So that's all I will say for now, because there's so much more, but we're going to hear from her, and, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, her story. And without further ado,
2: welcome, Amalia. Hi, uh, Lisa, hi, Anahita, thank you for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. We're
0: so super delighted. We were chatting a little bit before we jumped on and started recording. And, and it was it is really my greatest hope, and I know Anahita as well, is to really get to know another side of mamalia, right? Like here in the Twin Cities, so many people know you. You are doing so many things. And even throughout the country and internationally, you have your hands in so much. And we're going to explore that as well. But I think it's really important to get to know the human side, the stories behind these women leaders in our community. And um, so we're going to start with that. So I really would love for you to, you know, bring us back to the beginning. You know, that's where everything, everything kind of stirs. And as Anahita mentioned, you are from Guatemala. So could you share with us maybe a little bit about what was it like to be young Amalia? Young Amalia in your
2: childhood in Guatemala, maybe your
0: personality, your environment, who were you?
2: Yes, you know, I was born and raised in uh, Guatemala City. When I was uh, very young, my parents uh, got divorced and I ended up living with my maternal grandmother in a smaller town uh, called Quesaltepeque in the department of uh, Chiquimola, closest to the border uh, with El Salvador this was a a blessing uh, in disguise for me because my grandmother was an entrepreneur. My grandmother was an excellent cook. And little did I know then that I was uh, learning entrepreneurial and kitchen and healthy eating and cooking uh, lessons for life. So she has been the source of of my life inspiration. She has been my, my North star, even though she's no longer with me physically, she continues to illuminate me from, from heaven. And, and that is uh, such a graceful uh, place to be because I, I call the, the kitchen environment, uh, my happy place, uh, because this is a therapeutic place where creations can can happen. But going back to Guatemala, my upbringing was very wholesome with my grandmother. My great-grandfather, her father, had a a coffee plantation and dairy farm. So very early on, I was introduced to regenerative uh, agriculture. I was introduced to uh, sustainable farming. I was uh, introduced to... Uh, very wholesome and very clean eating. My great-grandmother, um, his wife uh, grew all kinds of fruits and vegetables and herbs in her backyard for eating. Now we're talking a uh, climate uh, where it's nice all year long. Um, and, and so fruits and vegetables grow year round seasonally. So we always had a source of fresh ingredients and a combination of going to the markets and then having fresh ingredients available at home. We always had freshly made meals every day. Now, nowadays we consider that a luxury, especially in this country. Why? Because our lives are so hurried and sometimes people, have little time to think about, you know, what what to make for for dinner. But my childhood was um, wholesome, not on, only because I was exposed to to good food, but my grandmother was very strict as well, and a strict in a good sense. She took care of me and she protected me. She had very strong morals. Uh, she passed those on to me. And uh, I passed those in turn to my my son. My son who is now uh, 23 years old and I love him uh, dearly. I have not only passed the strong morals, but also the wholesome kitchen lessons that I learned from my grandmother. So my son loves to cook because he has been exposed just like me to the kitchen and to wholesome eating since he was very young you know, initially helping with uh, very uh, small tasks. Then he graduated to a serrated uh, chef knife. And then when he was old enough to have his own real knife, he graduated to a a, a child uh, real chef knife. And uh, that was uh, wonderful for him. But, you know, my life uh, has been uh, wonderful because of, of my grandmother. And, you know, all challenges that I've had along the way have been uh, manageable and tolerable because I have built a very strong uh, core and in, in, in that's where I am today.
0: I love that. I, I love that you lean into that um, grandmother was your guiding light and you know, your North star a source of so much for you, um, especially as a young girl, having that trans- transition between um, being with your parents and, and having this strong grandmother as your main mother figure, really you know, helping you through those um, younger years. I think that's beautiful. I was um, raised in a household where my grandmother lived with us ever since I was a little girl and I have um, a very close relationship with her. She just recently passed last year. And um, I, can, I can relate to those feelings of grandma and what, that, um, what she brought
2: to my life. So thank you for sharing that piece with us. Sure. you know I think it's important also to talk about uh, the role of uh, our grandmas in our lives. In my case, she became my mother. She took the place of my mother. And also she was my first mentor. You know, the importance of having wholesome mentors in your life and also in your your career are priceless. And these are opportunities uh, for higher learning and for achieving um, a level of insight, uh, you know, that is going to help us uh, throughout our careers.
1: Our first mentors are some of the ones that we are just so surrounded by from a young age, like our family. And mm-hmm. I think when we think about mentors as women, we think of someone in such a prestigious role that we have to earn the respect and the time from. But if you think about it, that's a great example is you know our immediate family and in your case, your grandmother. And Lisa's story with her grandmother is very sweet too. I had a little chance to, so I'm from Iran. And we immigrated here when I was two, Um, but my grandmother, I've gone back to visit her a few times and then she came to stay with us, you know, 20 something years ago. Unfortunately, she has passed as well. But the little that I had exposure to her in uh, teenage years was sewing and those intricacies and, you know, crafting and cooking and and just the things that are the foundation of like building a family. So I thought it was really, sweet to hear a little bit about your grandmother. Speaking of immigrating, um, you came to the U.S. from Guatemala, and I'd love to hear you share you know, what brought you here. Talk about your experience coming to the U.S. You know, how old were you? What, what prompted the move here?
2: Yes, so I initially came to the U.S. Uh, because uh, I had a family uh, living here, but I also was motivated to go to school here. So I was, uh, as a young adult, um, I I came to to the U.S. Uh, speaking uh, some English, and not knowing much about the culture other than what I had been exposed to in in Guatemala, and in Guatemala, as in the rest of uh, Latin America, and we're talking, you know, a uh, few years back, but things were not the way uh, that are today. You know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have the uh, connectivity that we have uh, this day and age and the opportunity to learn more in depth about other cultures. So I remember that my early experiences with American culture in Guatemala, were American, you know, American top 40. I don't know if uh, you can relate to that show. Oh oh, yeah. Casey Casey Kasem yep. uh, I love him dearly uh, he was the host of this show and that was the Americana that uh, I was exposed to you know uh, in my adult life and I always uh, thought the U.S. is a great uh, it's a great place well it's uh, the top country in the world for opportunities and and many other things so I had family here and that's initially what brought me here, but also the opportunity to study. And then um, after I graduated from, uh, from school, then I was, um, I, I was uh, in the position to get a job. And um, I did not know really what I wanted to, to do then. Um, As a young adult, as many young people go through, you know, what am I going to do with my life? So my oldest sister uh, was in banking in Guatemala, and the first thing that occurred to me, hey, I'll get a job in a bank. And at that time, I lived in in Kansas City. And I said, I'm just going to go apply at a handful of banks in downtown Kansas City, and... I went to the international department because I felt that that's the place where I I fit uh, the best and where I could have uh, the opportunity to interact with other cultures and learn more in the process. So I got a job um, at the operations department at a bank in Kansas City uh, that is now part of Bank of America. This bank was acquired. You know, this this was the time of mergers and acquisitions, and so many banks that existed uh, back then are part of the major banks that we know today. So that was a good thing, and I'll tell you why. Because even though my calling has always been full culture, education, and wholesome eating, and so on, working in that international department gave me the opportunity to work as a floater. A floater is someone that uh, goes from job to job within uh, the same department uh, a few weeks at a time. That gave me the opportunity to learn the inner workings of our operations department of an international bank. Fast forward, I was uh, then later given the opportunity by another bank to start an international department for a small community bank. And so this became my leadership Um, uh, my my leadership part and my leadership initiation into uh, bigger and greater things to come. So every time that I had an opportunity to say and to do something and someone invited me and even if I did not know then um, what to do or how to do it, I always said yes. I think this is important for people to know, especially women that fear should not be a factor in, in our lives. And if it is, it is something that we can control because fear can uh, hamper with our emotions. fear can stop us from doing the things that we aspire to and we want to uh, have uh, good desires to do. So banking was a place where I founded my strong business acumen that it's helping me uh, today as an entrepreneur. And to me, banking has been a place uh, for learning about uh, relationships, building relationships and also uh, business development, uh, finance, and, and so many things that are so vital and so important in business.
0: I love that. We all, um, Anahita as well, we all have our own path that um, has included you know, business and understanding um, different leadership positions. And I think it's all part of the journey that you are on right now as this entrepreneur and doing all these other things in the world today. And I think that there's always an important piece of what that journey looks like that, that leads you to where you are today. I think um, you're talking about fear and, and fear is such a powerful emotion and also a great opportunity that it provides to us. And I would love to hear a little bit more about, you know, you're talking about being a woman and and being an immigrant, you know, to this country years, years ago, coming over here. You had mentioned in your bio to us, that you considered yourself a triple minority immigrant. And I was like, wow, I've never heard that way. I'm like, that is really interesting. And in my mind, I was trying to unravel what that meant. And I thought, you know what? Let me just ask Amalia, can you break that down for us? Can you help us um, understand what does that mean to you?
2: Yes, so uh, triple minority means uh, to me that uh, first of all, I am a woman. And then um, I am a minority in this country within the largest minority there is in the country. Within that minority, I am a minority because if uh, you look at the minority by itself, it's um, demographic of uh, many countries uh, and broken down into percentages, some of which are larger than others. So within that demographic, I am a minority. And why is that important? Being a minority is not a bad place to be. Being a minority is a good place to be. That is the reason why I mentioned that. Why? Because if you if you are equipped and you are ready and you're willing uh, to make a difference in the world, uh, this, this can be a good place to be. In my position, I use my triple minority status to bring awareness about the uh, Latin culture, bring awareness about cultural and understanding, um, and then spark conversations uh, about anything under the sun uh, that relate to um, uh, gender inequity, as well as uh, social uh, misunderstanding, lack of appreciation of cultural um, nuances, uh, lack of appreciation of, uh, of, of cultural traditions. And, and why is that important? Because right now we are at the center stage of a movement, a movement uh, that is propelling the multiracial, multi-ethnic, uh, multi-demographic uh, that this country has uh, become the the more understanding the more appreciation the more tolerance the more respect we have for each other the better we're going to get along with each other and that is on a social and a human aspect but also this is important for business
0: i love that you know amalia i've been listening to you here now for the last several minutes and i really appreciate your positive outlook on your life and your life experiences and even the narrative by which you're speaking, and I'm a narrative coach, so I'm always listening to the words. Um, as a narrative coach, you know your spin has a really positive angle. And oftentimes it's important for us to also highlight and embrace some of those challenges we've faced in life so that you know the people we meet and our audience can also understand how we've kind of come through so they can glean some light on maybe their journey that they're working through. So I would love to hear from you a little bit even though this experience has been so beautiful and you've learned so many pieces, where are some of those barriers or obstacles that you've had to um, overcome? Maybe share a story or example with us that can help us highlight what, some of those things that Amalia had to kind of work through for her to now see what's, what's the beauty on the other side.
2: Yes. So you mentioned that all of us have a very unique uh, journey and, uh, uh, my journey has been for the most part uh, positive because that is the way I I choose it to be. But certainly like everyone else, I've had challenges along the way, obstacles. And I look at those challenges as opportunities uh, to uh, get better at what I do, educate myself and, and and not to stop me. And also the obstacles, you know, I go around them and I continue my journey because I have a mission and I have a north star, as you as you know now, uh, that you know nothing is going to get in my way. So I have this um, drive uh, to to get me where I want to be. Certainly, my challenges have been no different from uh, other women's challenges. You know, gender inequity, being a woman in still a man's world continues to be a challenge for uh, all of us. You know. Uh, also having uh, the misunderstanding of you know, people not knowing uh, where a Guatemalan is from or where exactly Guatemala is located. Those are experiences that I have had. You know, When someone asked me uh, one time, Amalia, where are you from? Uh, and I said, I am from Guatemala. And then they asked again, where is that in Mexico? So, you know, then I um, experienced not too long ago, and this is really something probably around the time of, uh, you know, in the heaviest of the pandemic and uh, all connected to uh, uh, south of the border immigration. And there's a major uh, TV network uh, talking about. Uh, immigration issues connected to um, Central America and Mexico and so on, where uh, one of the uh, presenters referred to uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras as the three Mexican countries. So I sense that there is uh, a lack of uh, not only understanding and appreciation of culture But sometimes even geography, which to me, you know, uh, it's uh, it's an opportunity to to change the narrative. It's an opportunity to educate people. It's an opportunity to raise your voice when you hear something uh, that is not right. You need to say something. Yeah,
0: I love that, too, because it is important. I mean, this this podcast is really about helping people understand. And, um, you know, we're focused on a certain sector of women, but I do think, I mean, that example, just part of, part of it just outrages me, but then when you look at on the other side again, it's, uh, and it's an opportunity to educate and to help people understand that these are communities and countries that are different they're held together by some really strong cultural beliefs and and maybe geographically similar in an in, um, in area but really still very distinctly their own and we talk about that even within the Asian American community um, and within all of these smaller sectors we all have our own unique culture and individually our own unique experiences so again it's all about learning and understanding for us to build those bridges. So it I is. love that example, and thank you. A
1: lot sharing. of it is, is the narrative that we choose to share. And I love your positive spin on this Somalia. I think that it's encouraging. I'll speak for Lisa and I, that it's so helpful to hear you share your story and your perspective and your outlook uh, because some people can kind of get in a rut when there's an obstacle or a barrier. Um, especially the minorities the the triple being a triple immigrant minor triple minority immigrant as, as you had mentioned and not letting that become an issue that we can't get through and your story has been so helpful um, today though you you know you've, you've made some leaps and bounds and as you're continuing your educating of not only about culture and the location of where Guatemala is on the map, but also helping other women in their businesses and helping um, continue the story through foundations, maybe through your grandparent's story or through food. But you've you've done a few things, and so (laughs) you know this, but I'm just gonna share this with our our listeners. Um, A very successful multi-award winning author, a speaker, you're, you, know, you consult, you're chef entrepreneur, you're the co-founder of a women's organization. And as you've said, you're on a mission and you're working really hard to help individuals and organizations, which I think is such a beautiful thing because you have, you have made it profound success into the nonprofit sector as well. So organizations of all sizes and really to help them understand the Latin American culture. How do you personally bring people together to create this greater understanding there's a lot of ways right that we can try to tell people a story or an example but how do you personally maybe through your work that you have dedicated yourself to from your roots how do you bring people together to help them understand
2: You know, I love that question uh, because um, how I bring people together is through food and the table, great food, and a good story can bring people together under the same table, under the same roof. Now, what changes now is uh, the environment. What changes is uh, the situation. What changes is where is this conversation uh, being had? So I adapt what I do to every situation I am in. So if I am at a corporation, I take this as an opportunity uh, to uh, dive deeper into cultural um, nuances, uh, learnings uh, with the hopes that Corporations can use uh, this information to bring about more diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. Food brings people together in a way that can be inclusive, in a way that can be a conversation starter, in a way that whatever nationalities are sitting at the table can partake in the conversation and also share about their traditions how unique they are how wonderful you are because this is about understanding each other so that we can use this information to make better decisions when we are out there in the community raising funds um, whatever we're doing and this can also help within our uh, workplace you know how to get along with each other how to include um, employees uh, in more so than than ever how to grow uh, this um, demographics that we we may be talking about uh, the the numbers for improving um, revenues uh, for improving communications with with our clients and so on. You know, there are also conversations uh, that are had in the community uh, where I have used the food and culture education connected to my books uh, to start uh, conversations about race. You know, we talk about anything under the sun because when good food is around people, actually naturally, Uh, flock to it Um, and where there is good food and good conversation attached to it people are attracted even even more and I think that we're living in a time right now where this is so relevant where this is so much needed where these conversations you know need to happen at a deeper level you know we're beyond uh so many um other um conversations that we may have had in the past things that people were not comfortable to talk about you know 10 15 years 20 years ago i think people are more open now and then we have all these great platforms to make this happen from podcasts to interviews to tv to instagram you name it you know all those platforms these are all great opportunities to spread the good news and to bring all people together um, and to partake in the conversation. And, you know, I have uh, also feel, I feel that I have gone from, you know, serving the table to taking a seat at the table because I am also part of boards. And and being part of boards, you know, just is a, a, another opportunity to learn uh, personally, grow professionally, but also to educate other people about culture and tradition.
0: I love that, food,
1: food, food, food. (laughs) so much about food, I have one thought. There's something about food that just brings people, like you were saying, to the table, but you can take a bite of something and instantly the different ingredients and the different seasonings is going to taste different on someone's palate. And if you're all taking a bite of the same thing, you're gonna say instantly, a lot of the time, Oh, this reminds me of when I was a younger person, or this reminds me of when my such and such family member cooked it, or I remember this experience when I traveled to such and such place. And then it just connects us because the stories of either our, our um, past or an experience we've had. So that that dining experience becomes the new experience yeah. so that they take that. And then they're like, I just met these people over. Enchiladas or whatever. (laughs) I love
0: that. Were you going to say something, Amalia? I saw you were about to say something. Was there something you wanted to add?
2: Yes. So I wanted to say that, you know, food is, um, it's a common denominator, you know, amongst uh, cultures, nations, and so on. Food is a connector. Uh, Food is something that we can use uh, to expand our relationships. Food is something that Uh, we can use to continue learning. Uh, Food is something that we can use to better um, our health. Food is something that we can use uh, to continue to expand our repertoires in our menus so that we can bond in the kitchen with our families and eat more delicious.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Amalia. I have absolutely enjoyed spending this last half hour with you and getting to learn more about you, obviously, on a personal level and what you bring to our communities and this country in bringing people together through food, the common denominator,
1: the denominator that we all agree with (laughs) so much. I can't get it all out of my mouth. So excited, you guys. And her mouth is watering. She's going to need to go (laughs) eat some good food now.
0: And you have your cookbooks there, which which our listeners can't see, but we will share with everybody um, how to be connected with Amalia. If you want to learn more about her, or if you want to um, work with her in any way, and obviously her cookbooks that she has available, and so much she has to offer. So we will share that with our audience. But it's important for us um, to acknowledge um, the work that you do here in the community, and and for for everybody here. So. We are excited to have you. So thank you so much. And as always, we like to um,
2: end our podcast with a little quote. (laughs) Could I say something real quick? Yes, please. please. I I want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to speak with you today. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to share about food, culture, and more. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Oh, muchas gracias. Thank I you love so much, it. Maria. You
1: have a you have a perfect quote to round us out, Lisa. We, yes, we do.
0: What you so got? We, we were, um, you know, we we're talking about bringing people together, not only food but understanding and learning. So I'm going to share this quote with everybody from Yoko Ono. I have the outsider's vision, which is creating wisdom I can share with the world. The fact that I am misunderstood has always given me an added impetus to work on communication, to bridge the gap. So again, outside perspective, inside perspective, creating wisdom and understanding. We really hope that those who listen today have a little broader understanding of the Latin culture and, and food and immigration stories and all that is beautiful about Amalia
1: and bridging that gap, which is our mission's work. So thank you, Amalia. Thank you everybody for listening today. Make sure you uh, flip back a couple of episodes. We have some really great guests coming and have had wonderful conversations, but until then um, hit play on this and replay and share it with your friends and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Life on Our Skin. Thank
2: you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.